leaned over to Greg and I said, oh my goodness, that's my opening scripture that the Holy Spirit gave me. So praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians 3.20. And uh, in praying and what to share today, uh, as you know, I teach a lot on healing and I teach a second year course called uh, Heart Matters that deals with spirits and soul and how the spirit and soul are the heart as Andrew teaches uh, I was so blessed to find out that uh, he has taught that, and not just recently, but he's taught it for years. And uh, it was the first time that this really ever really made sense to me when I realized that spirit and soul together are what make up the heart, the inner man versus the outer man. Amen? And so uh, I, w- I was so encouraged to see what God is doing by his spirit in our generation. But I'm also discouraged at how many people are living underneath the privilege of what Jesus has already paid for. How many people don't know that it really is better to live under a better covenant? How many people don't know that are still trying to worship at the altar of yesterday? Barry, that was profound. When you said that phrase, it was like a headline for me. Worshiping at the altar of yesterday. So many people don't realize that we are under a better covenant with better promises. And you know what? When I begin to realize how much uh, ignorance there is, how much lack of knowledge there is, one of the things that sometimes happens is we want to start shouting at it. Have you ever been there? We want to start shouting at the darkness. And the Lord said to me, why don't you just demonstrate the goodness? Why don't you just demonstrate the power of God? Instead of shouting at the darkness, why don't you shout unto me with a voice of triumph and watch what begins to happen? Amen? Yes, we have a standard. Yes, our standard is going to be held, and we're going to, we're going to speak it. We're going to speak it loud. In fact, you know what Jesus said? He said, what you're hearing in the quiet times, I want you to speak on the rooftops. So it's not that we're going to dial down what we're speaking, but I just don't think that, you know, years ago I was very involved in the intercessory prayer movement, and, uh, oh boy, we'll, uh, we, yeah, thank you. Somebody said, we'll forgive you. Uh, We won't even go there. But let me tell you what what I realized, that no matter how loud you speak in tongues, yelling at the devil doesn't work. When you think that your effort is going to get something accomplished in the realm of the Spirit, you know what I'm saying? You end up with a lot of self-effort as opposed to basing it on the promises like Barry was talking about and what God's given us and then activating that. So look with me, if you will, at Ephesians 3.20 because one of the things that I began to see and I'm seeing in our church age right now is this. It says this, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power. Everybody say with me. According to the power. According to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. What I began to see was that he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to that power that works in us. Well, here's the deal, guys. 
When I began to think about the power, I began to think about how many worship services that I used to lead where I was trying to get the power to show up. Oh, yeah. Do you know most worship leaders in America today believe that if they worship long enough, the presence of God will finally come? The power of God will finally manifest. Intercessors believe if they pray long enough or if they call enough intercessors, the power of God will finally come. But the good news for us today is that the power has already come. And what is the power? Andrew talked about it last night, Romans 1.16. The power of God is the gospel. What is the gospel? Jesus says the gospel is good news. Well, you know what? When I look back at the old covenant, I see priests who were ministering that when the, de- uh, the temple of, of uh, Solomon was dedicated, the power of God, the presence of God was so powerful that what? They couldn't even stand up. And so what I have learned is that many people are looking to an old model to be able to establish the power of God today, and it's not working. They're looking back to something that once was when Jesus said, I came to fulfill that and give you a better covenant with better promises. Amen? Now look at this. He says, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to what? To what? To all generations. Here's what I think God wants to say today. The Holy Ghost is the common denominator to connect all generations. We have what we call in the church right now, which I hate the term, but it's what people refer to as worship wars. Have you heard the term? Oh, it's out there. Go to, go, drive through town and look at the marquees and it'll say contemporary worship, nine o'clock. Traditional worship, 10 o'clock. And some other flavor of worship at 11 o'clock. And what we've done is we've substituted style for substance. We've taken what God intended to be spirit-filled, full of truth, full of glory, full of the presence of God, and we've said, you know what? Uh, We think we have a better idea. We're going to make it all about style. And because we've made it about style, we've turned it into what's now called worship wars. I'm not going to worship if you don't sing my old songs. In fact, you know what? I'm just going to stand here and look at you, and you ain't going to make me worship. (laughs) Then you have the other people who are like, you know what? If it's not hip and contemporary, I'm not joining that stuff. I I don't sing that, you know, amazing grace, whatever. And so we start making it all about the style. And what do we do? We divide generations as a result. But what did Ephesians 3.20 say? He said, to him be glory in the church by what? By Christ Jesus to all generations. Praise the Lord. Look with me, if you would, over at Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15 
And let's look at this because um, when I was praying about what to share today, I just really felt like the Lord said, one of the things that we've done in the church today is we've dialed down our expectation. When we gather together, we've been disappointed, we've been disillusioned, and as a result, we get disconnected. And we've dialed down our expectation into something that we think we can manage. You know what? I'm not expecting the supernatural power of God because I haven't seen it in years. In fact, George Barnes said in a recent survey that 90% of churchgoers today have never sensed the presence of God in a public gathering. Well, if that's really true, that is beyond sad to me. That's tragic. Because what Jesus had in mind for us was to see the power and the glory of God, all in the grace of God, expressed every time we gather together. Amen. Amen. So look at what happens here. If we're not careful, we're going to dial down our expectation and say, you know what, I haven't seen the power of God move yet, so why would I expect it today? So what do we do? We go to conferences and we expect the power of God to move perhaps at the right conference. But I'm telling you what, Jesus is into you. And he wants the power of God to be operative on a daily basis in you and through you to where the ordinary becomes supernatural. The ordinary becomes extraordinary, not because of us, but because of who he is in us. Amen? Now look with me. Amen. Look with me at Matthew chapter 15 and look at this in verse 8. Jesus says in verse 7, Hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth, and they honor me with their lips, but their what? Their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. So here we see that the power of God, the presence of God, is still there, but what's happening? Their worship is in vain because they're not recognizing it. They're teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Look with me over at 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 5. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 5. It says in, in verse 1, Know this, that in the last days perilous or stressful times will come. How many think we might be there? For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, verse 2 says, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Look at this, unthankful, this is huge, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders without self-control, brutal despisers of good. By the way, I'm reading from the New King James. Uh, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. Now look what he says. Having a form of godliness, but what? Denying the power from such people turn away. Man, I'm telling you, I don't want to live in the shadow. I want to live in the light. Amen? When Moses, back in Exodus 33, verse 18, talks about this, it says, when he wanted God to show him his glory... He said, God, would you show me your glory? And the Lord went on to, to say to him 
in verse 19 and 20, I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock and I'm going to cover you with my hand until I have passed by. You know what we can, de- what we can deduct from this? That the presence and the glory of the Lord are really the same thing. Second Chronicles 5.14, the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. So what we did was we read scriptures like this as people in worship, and we went back to say, okay, what was it that they were doing that brought the cloud of glory into the house of the Lord? Let's go do that. So we thought if we just sang the right song, and, and if we sang it in the right key, and if we sang it enough times, Kumbaya, my Lord. I mean, name the song, right? You know? And so uh, it didn't take me a whole lot of years, but longer than I would care to admit today, to discover that that wasn't working so good. Right? But as I looked back and I saw, you know what, if the, if the glory cloud was so powerful back then that they couldn't even stand up to minister, what is going on today? We're gathering together with people that aren't even born again, asking them to worship in spirit and truth. We've dialed down our gatherings that are supposed to be for believers. How many know the word church in the Greek means called out ones? And we have whole services that are designed for the lost, even though we call it church. Now let me tell you, what should be happening is we as the church should be going to where the lost people are. They are welcome to come into our gatherings, and we love when people who are lost come into our gatherings. But if we begin to design our services around lost people, see what I'm saying? We're going to dial this thing down to where there is no expectation whatsoever. Let me give you an example. How many remember ever being in a service and you were in one of these kind of services? where you knew that you had the freedom to sing in tongues, speak in tongues, raise your hands, uh, dance, uh, you know, um, worship loudly, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. And then you went into another setting where you thought it was the same but found out not so much. (laughs) And so you were standing there among everybody else thinking that you were in that same kind of service, and you begin to raise your hands only to have somebody come over and say, we don't do that here. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Uh, why would that be? Well, because we don't want to offend anyone. Now, doesn't that sound politically correct? That's exactly what's going on. In today's culture, we call it tolerance. Listen to me. It is sweeping our nation as never before. And if we're not careful, we as the church are going to be sucked right into the message of tolerance when God is saying, no, I put the fruit of the Spirit on the inside of your life and you're going to treat unbelievers with kindness. Absolutely, you're going to show them the grace of God, but you are not going to dial down and expect nothing from the presence of God. Amen. So we began to look for the glory of God in a cloud. I mean, that's what it sounded like from the Old Covenant. 
you know, I, I just knew the perfect worship service would be when the cloud manifested at the back of the church. I would see it. And, uh, you know, nobody else would because they would all be facing this way. But I would see it, and I'd be like, oh, God, um, what key am I in? It must be the key of A flat major. I'm sure it's your favorite key. Okay, keep that going, musicians, because we're, in, we're doing something good here, you know. Okay, here comes the glory. It's rolling in. Do you know, by the way, there is no place in, in the New Covenant where it ever talks about the glory of God in a cloud? So I'm waiting for this cloud to roll in and the ultimate worship service would be by the time it finally gets to the front and people are being slain in the spirit as it comes into the auditorium. And, and finally, when it comes to the front, it hits me and I'm slain and we're all just, wow. <laughs> and as I'm in that moment, the spirit of God literally spoke to my heart and said, Daniel, wake up. Don't you realize that you're under a better covenant with better promises? Amen. He said, did I not tell you in Colossians 1.27 that Christ in you is the hope of glory? Where is the glory of God today? The reason we're missing the supernatural is because we're looking after the natural. We're looking at our neighbor like, oh, it's just Tracy. It's just Andrew and Jamie. It's just Mike. It's just, you know, it's, it's just, just. Stop it. You know why? Because you are the habitation of the Spirit of God. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And the supernatural life of God that's in you is flowing out of you in rivers of living water. We don't have to wait for the cloud to show up anymore. We're not waiting on God to manifest. God is waiting on us to let him out. Christ in you, the hope of glory, wants to arise and watch the enemies be scattered. Doubt, unbelief, all the stuff, you know, that's the enemy of God. What, what is that? That stuff can all scatter as we allow the presence of God to be the presence of God. Look with me over at Ephesians chapter. In fact, let me give you a couple scriptures here real quick. Colossians 1.27, Christ in you is the hope of glory. We don't have to wait for a cloud anymore. Thank God we're under a better covenant. Amen? Somebody said one day, how are you? Partly cloudy. <laughs> Waiting for the latter rain. Man, I was teaching at the Better Way to Worship conference that we did a couple years ago. And... Uh, I, I don't, it was like a Holy Ghost moment because I started laughing before I even said what I was going to say, thinking about how for so many years we've been asking God to show up. Oh my goodness, don't you just feel sorry for him? When he's been Christ in us, the hope of glory, all this time trying to get out. I mean, we're wall to see. We one of the reasons I'm so grateful to to Andrew and Jamie is because they have brought such a clear word to the body of Christ on spirit, soul, and body. And when you begin to understand this revelation, you realize that your spirit man is wall to wall God. You can't get any more of God in your spirit man than you already have. So it's not a matter of, of trying to get God in. It's a matter of releasing the glory and the presence of God that we have in us through Christ. Anyway, as I was thinking about this picture, 
I heard that old song, which I kind of am embarrassed to admit to you, but it was, please release me, let me go. And I was like, I'm not sure this is what the Bible described as a new song, but I'm going to go with it. And I started laughing so hard and then started to cry because I realized that this really is the passion of the Holy Ghost, is to be released in our gatherings, to be who He is. Amen? Ephesians 3.20 says that unto Him be glory in the church. Far above what you could ask or think, He's capable. Amen? He can do it. So you know what I want to ask you today? Turn your expectation back up. As the body of Christ today, don't dial it down because of the past, because of, you know, Sister Susie's failure, you know. Don't, don't dial it down, but rather allow your expectation to even be turned on above what you could ask or think because God's able. Amen. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, familiar scripture that says your body is now the temple of the Holy Ghost. We don't really go to church. We are the church. And as the church, we gather together as believers to celebrate Christ, to celebrate the goodness of God, his presence. And then look with me over at Ephesians chapter 2. I love this because not only are you the body of Christ individually, but we are the body of Christ collectively. Look at this. Ephesians 2 and verse 19 says, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom, in other words, in Jesus, you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God, what? In the Spirit. So brothers and sisters, I want to just encourage you today with this. In fact, let's look uh, over again at verse 20 of Ephesians 3. I just want to read it one more time. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church. To him be the presence of God in the church. To him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations. I believe and I'm going to declare today that it is through the finished work of Christ by the Spirit of God that we are all connected together. The Spirit of God is what connects generations. And if you'll look around the room today and, and around the conference, we've got youth meeting upstairs. We've got children here. We've got all kinds of ages and, and all kinds of races represented here today. There's a supernatural connection that God has done by the Holy Ghost. And that does not happen by choosing the right kind of music. It doesn't happen by wearing the right kind of clothing. It doesn't happen by having the hippest and coolest hairstyle. 
Thank you, Jesus. I'm just glad I have some. Amen. Now look with me over at Acts chapter 2. See, when we take uh, natural things and try to make them produce spirit, it's very frustrating, isn't it? Yeah. It's tiring. We just don't want to do it anymore, you know? Acts chapter 2. Man, I'm telling you, this, this is so exciting to me. And maybe part of it is just because I grew up Baptist. I don't know. But to realize that when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. See the unity? There was unity there that was brought by the Spirit of God. And suddenly there came from heaven as a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, let's jump ahead here, and let's go to verse 16. Peter stands up with the 11 in verse 14 and raises his voice. Again, he's not shouting at the darkness, but he's declaring boldly on the rooftops what he heard in the quiet place. And he raises his voice and says to them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose, seeing it is only the third hour of the day or nine o'clock in the morning. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Now look at this. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men dream dreams. Are you seeing generations in this? Amen. How, How are the generations connected? By the Spirit of God through the work of Jesus Christ. Amen? And this that was that happened on the day of Pentecost. And I'm telling you today, we do not have to pray for the cloud to show up any longer. We don't have to pray for revival in that sense because every day is a day of revival. Every day is a day of living spirit-filled if we'll just simply acknowledge what Christ has already done in us and through us by the Spirit of God. My question to you today is, How full do you want to be? How filled do you want to be? Somebody said to me just a couple weeks ago, you're so full of it. I said, thank you. I've been traveling with Andrew on the GTRs, and one of the things Andrew often says when he's teaching uh, is, you know, people will sometimes say to him or to people like us, well, I think you're weird. And what's Andrew's response? I love that. (laughs) You know what? When you become uh, different than culture, when you become different than the frozen chosen church, you are going to stand out. Get over it. Amen? We want to be filled with the Spirit of God and live as sons and daughters and seeing generational connection happening by the Spirit of God. Look with me over at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And let's look at verse 13. 
For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. I'm so grateful, aren't you, for the Holy Ghost? Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, and then we're going to wrap this up. I don't know. I guess maybe it's just my age or, or something, but I'm just tired of playing church. You know, I, I'm just tired of having the status quo be, well, just be thankful. No, I am thankful. I'm thankful for the work of Christ, and I want to expect more. I want to expect what I see from the Word of God, not what is culture dictating to me what should be normal. You know, uh, just recently, Bill Heibel, who is a a wonderful man of God, love Bill, um, came out publicly to say that his model of seeker-sensitive church didn't work. He repented. What, what are we lifting up today? Andrew taught last night and he said, you know, many of us in our world today don't know the true gospel. Well, you know what? I want to see generations demonstrating the true gospel. I want to see generations connected together, demonstrating what that true gospel looks like when we gather together as believers and when we as believers go out into the culture and be light in a dark place and not turn our message down to conform to unbelief. Well, Daniel, just dial it down. I mean, you know, it's not that you're, you know, just just turn it back a little bit. No can't do that. Sorry, but not really. <laughs> Look with me at Ephesians five nineteen says, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. We need to walk in wisdom today. Amen. And what does that look like? Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Okay, what is the will of the Lord? And don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess or dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. How full do you want to be? I want to be full. Amen. This, this phrase, which you know this already, this isn't new to any of you here today, but when he says be filled with the Spirit, it's the present continual tense. So in other words, be being filled with the Spirit of God. Now, what does that look like? He says in verse 19, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. You know what? The Holy Spirit lifts us up. He inspires us. Instead of us getting more of Him, we just need to release all of Him that is in us and and allow that river to flow out in what? psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. I didn't even know there was such a thing. I thought everything was just hymns because we put them all in a book and we called it... We don't, we don't do those things in our church. We just sing hymns. Really? Well, what, what are hymns? Well, they're in the hymn book. 
Everybody knows that. Hymns are in the hymn book. Well, apparently nobody told Apostle Paul because he didn't have one. So you know what I began to realize? That there must be a reason why the Spirit of God said psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And what we begin to find out is that the word hymneo in the Greek for hymn is the song of a new covenant. It's the song that declares who we are in Christ. It declares who Christ is in us. And as we begin to raise that banner in our gatherings together, and we begin to exalt the Lord instead of my feelings and how bad it's been for me, and please release me, let me go. (laughs) You know. I mean, some of our music seriously has just been pathetic. Hasn't it? I mean, I'm just being honest. But you know what? That's not what God had in mind for us. When we gather together, it should be encouraging. It should be edifying. It should be uplifting. And what do we do? We sing songs that exalt the risen Savior. We sing songs that exalt who we are in Christ. Psalms are songs accompanied by a musical instrument. I'm not going to tell you who it is, but we have a whole uh, very familiar denomination who just came out with a new worship war edict saying that instrumental music will no longer be allowed in a contemporary format in our church. So they'll allow instrumental music, and I'm not talking about the Church of Christ and the traditional, you know, lack of instrument music. I'm talking about people that you would never, ever suspect this from. They're now saying, no, no drums in church, no electric guitars, you know, it, it, no, no, we're just going to, no. Well, don't you know every time something like that happens, the devil just loves it? Because we've just turned it now from the Spirit of God into style. I'm here to propose to you today that the Lord's not near as concerned about style as he is substance. Amen? Amen? Amen. So psalms are songs accompanied by a musical instrument. You know, if you go to uh, the Ozarks, their sound there is going to be very different than in Watts, L.A., which is going to be very different than it is in China, which is going to be very different than it is in Africa. So who's right and who's wrong when it comes to the correct style? God doesn't really care. What he cares about is seeing you filled with his presence and allowing that to flow out of who you are. Amen? Psalms, hymns, and then we have one more interesting category called spiritual songs. You know, that word in the Greek for spiritual is the word uh, pneuma, which means spirit breathe, and tikos is the word song or ode. And so when we put that all together, it's a pneuma tikos ode or a song inspired directly by the Holy Ghost. And I don't know if you've ever been in a service where spontaneously the Holy Ghost begins to birth a brand new song. God says, I've already given you that song. That song is already in you in Christ. And that song I want to have come out of you. And as it comes out of you, it's going to glorify me as a spiritual song. Well, who gives gives room for that, number one? We've got our agenda, bless God, and that's, that's not it. Have you been in a service where everyone is, is singing in the Spirit together? Like last night. Have you been in a service where 
the Holy Spirit just seems to be the divine worship leader. It's as if he's up here going like this. Really, can that happen? Yes, it absolutely can. See, we need to get the same picture that the Lord has and raise our expectation. Because if we've dialed everything down expecting nothing supernatural in our gatherings together, that's exactly what we're going to get. But if we come expecting that all things are possible, nothing is too difficult, we're going to see it manifest in every area as we gather together. Not just in our worship, but including our worship. Amen? Lastly, look with me over at Colossians chapter 3, and then I'm going to wrap this up. I don't even know how I'm doing on time here. Okay, we're good. Colossians chapter 3. Let's look at uh, verse 14. Above all these things put on love, which is the bond of perfection, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you were also called in one body, and be thankful. And you know what? When when I read that scripture in uh, 2 Timothy about how one of the signs of the last days is unthankfulness, what would it look like if we as the church really started to live with gratitude? What What would it look like if we really began to live in a lifestyle of thankfulness compared to what we're seeing as a sign of the end times being unthankfulness. As we walk into a restaurant and, and uh, we're being served, actually saying thank you to the waitress or the waiter instead of just expecting that that's their job, they're getting paid for that. That's what they're supposed to do. Get your water over to me and get it to me now. No, what if we just said, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. You know what? Pretty soon you're going to begin to stand out because that's not what's happening in current culture. Something as simple as Thanksgiving. I was teaching in my uh, lifestyle of worship course this year, and this whole topic of Thanksgiving began to just really emerge to the point that we spent almost three hours talking on Thanksgiving and how powerful this is. And it's something that we easily miss because we're so conformed to the culture around us. It's just easier to grumble and complain and talk about what's not right and, you know, just kind of have a bad attitude. But when we're filled with the Holy Ghost, we're going to start looking different. We're going to start sounding different. We're going to actually have a smile on our face instead of look like we're baptized in pickle juice. We're going to actually be fun to be around instead of always just like, you know, trying to birth something. Man, I I remember my wife and I just said, you know, at one point when we were so involved in the intercessory prayer movement, and, and it was just, everything was getting so hard. And the longer we went with this, the harder it got, and the more we felt like we were caring, and finally it's just like life is just like, Oh, the devil is just attacking me from everywhere. It's the spirit of this and the spirit of that. And, you know, we just had our focus on all the wrong stuff. And you know what? When your perspective is on the wrong stuff, it's amazing how quickly it begins to go down into very, very little expectation of the Spirit of God. But the Spirit of God is so good and God is so faithful. And thank God for His grace 
that can absolutely paint a different picture for us. Look at this now. Above all things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Verse 15, Colossians 3. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Everybody say that with me. And let the peace of God rule in your heart. In fact, let's, let's say it as a confession and let's personalize it. I let the peace of God rule in my heart. Wars, rumors of wars. In the last days, there's going to be men's hearts failing them for fear. Economic upheaval. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on right now. But you know what? I'm going to choose to let the peace of God rule in my heart. That's what I've been called to. And look at this, called in one body. That's all of us generationally. And be thankful. Now watch this, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in what? Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Listen, church, if we can't teach it from the pulpit, why would we sing it in worship? I was talking to someone a couple years ago, and I said, you know what, that song is completely unscriptural. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be picky here. I'm not trying to be harsh. But you're asking for something to happen that already happened in that song. And you know what they said to me? They said, well, we understand what you're saying, but we call that poetic license. I call it unbelief. Why would we sing in worship when we gather together something we're not willing to teach from the pulpit? This verse says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Well, that's the problem. We have not let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. We don't even know what the word of God says. Amen? So when we begin to discover the word of God and what the word of God says to us, we can really begin to fulfill what Jesus said worship was all about. He didn't say it was a better way to worship. He said it's the only way to worship when he said, those who worship me in John 4, 23 must worship in spirit and in truth. There is no other way to worship. We must worship him in spirit and in truth. The word of God, John 17, 17 says, thy word, O Lord, is truth. And as we allow the word of Christ to dwell in us richly, we're going to really be able to teach and admonish one another, encourage one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Then look at this, verse 17. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. How many times have you been encouraged by a song? Right? Many times. It'll, it'll stick with you during the day. You'll be singing it, you know, first time I ever heard, Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship his holy name. How many of you heard that and it just stuck with you all day long? Right? I mean, you just want to sing it over and over and over again. And, you know, we were in worship as a, as a student body a few weeks ago. Man, it's hard to believe we're in July already, isn't it? 
But uh, towards the middle of May, when uh, Rosalind got up and she, and she led this song called, I'm blessed in the city, I'm blessed in the... And I'm like all day long going, mm-mm-mm. <laughs> I'm blessed, mm-mm-mm. Just last week, I was blessed with a Cadillac SRX. And you know what? When, when that person uh, who blessed me with that car, I turned the ignition on, and on the little media center there in the middle of the car, it said, pre-programmed, Daniel, you are blessed. When Tracy puts her key in the ignition, it says, Tracy, you are God's beloved. Man, that made us cry. That's awesome stuff. You know what I'm saying? And those, those songs that, that God puts in your heart, see, it's, we're not trying to get something from the outside. He is our song. Amen. We already have that new song on the inside of us by the Spirit of God. He's just waiting for us to link up with His plan for our generation and watch how He brings connection to the body of Christ and the power of God. I'm going to tell you today, church, uh, I could prophesy this to you right now. I guess I I am. That we are going to see more and more of the power of God, not because the power of God is being poured out, but because we finally are getting the revelation of who we are in Christ and who He is in us. Amen? Come on, let's give the Lord a praise today and just thank Him for all that He's done. Amen? Hallelujah! Come on, let's just thank the Lord. Just give him praise today. Hallelujah. Lord, we bless you and glorify your name today. Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Daniel. Thank you, Andrew. Awesome. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Isn't that good? <clears throat> All right, we're going to let you take a 15-minute break. Be back at 11, and we'll start the last session.
Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. All right, we're ready to get started on the next session. If I could get everyone to come in and take a seat.